Hello and welcome to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Don Hibbard. And I'm Devin Saylor. And each week we bring you conservation topics and events from around the Endless Mountains. Well, it's Eco News. Tempted to do Eco News. <laughs> it be the new introduction. But um, yeah, just like uh, every month we go through and we pick out some stories that caught our attention, have to do with nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to start it out this week and talk about the big rail trail. Okay. Um, so I found an article that speaks to the fact that um, they're creating a huge rail trail. Um, so I'll back up a minute. I'll start by saying that after the Industrial Revolution uh, and the development of our interstate highway infrastructure, uh, our country, they, it really moved away from the rail system, mm-hmm. right? And so... Uh, a lot of those railroad lines kind of got abandoned. Yeah. Um, we moved towards tractor trailers and getting our freight to and from mm-hmm. um, with that mode of transportation. But um, a lot of rail lines were just abandoned. And uh, the big question was what to do with them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love this concept. Yeah. I guess um, it, it really... Uh, finds a good way to put them to use again Mm -hmm. and it's called the rail trail system if you've never heard of it before so um really just reinvigorating those rail lines as hiking trails and biking trails and horseback um even atv and snowmobile to some degree depending on where you are in the country and what they're designated for but um so in this case the article mentioned that they're going to be constructing uh, what will be considered the world's longest rail trail. Okay. Um, and so it'll go from Washington, D.C., all the way to the state of Washington. Wow. And um, so they're looking to, it's going to take a while, mm-hmm. um, a couple decades, but they're about halfway through. Wow. Um, the length will be 3,700 miles. I think they have about half of that right now. That's awesome. Um, so it's not connected all the way. Uh, but they also mentioned that uh, when it's all said and done, there won't be ha- there won't have to be any interaction with like any other kind of vehicles, so trucks or cars. Um, so it'll be all strictly the rail trail, uh, you know, hiking, biking, that type of thing. So I thought that was really cool. Um, cool. Yeah. So you know, if you're planning some type of trip across country and you enjoy biking, mm-hmm. there's a good way to get across country. Um, and it would be nice to see, you know, locally we have, um, the Montrose Alford line. Um, so that's, it's semi-improved at this point. You can get there. A lot of people use it for ATV use, but, um, for horseback riding and hiking too. Um, there's also another rail trail from Forest City to New York State border. And, uh, there's also one, like I said, ATVs can use this one. So it connects Simpson in Lackawanna County and goes through Susquehanna County, um, ends up all the way over by the Delaware River. So we do have some locally. If you want to get familiar with the rail trail system, it's a great way to get outdoors. Um, but you know, maybe at some point that, uh, that rail trail system that runs through our County will connect to that longer rail trail system. That'd be pretty cool. Across country. Yeah. Okay. So a little bit of a different turn taking us to water instead of being on land. All right. So I found a story um, that Eastern Pacific 
coral reefs are actually starting to adapt to the warmer water. So with the world kind of warming up, everybody has noticed it a little bit. Um, The ocean is unfortunately warming as well, and it could potentially be killing off our coral reefs. Researchers did find that they are starting to adapt to that. There is a more heat-tolerable algae that is hosting in the coral reef. So a little backstory on that, the coral reefs, what gives them a lot of their color, what helps them sustain being there is different types of algae. That's what they host on them, keeps them going, makes them look pretty. So this specific kind of algae, it is more sustainable during heat waves. So it's lasted through the heat wave from 1982 to 83, um, one in 97, and even one in 2015. So it's really helping the algae and eventually, the water might get warm enough that even this algae can't sustain it. But for now, it is. So there's brown. like a, a symbiotic relationship or like a beneficial relationship? Yep. Okay. Because I don't know, a lot of people might not know, but coral, coral is alive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't really look like it. Yeah. You see it underwater, it just, I don't know, it looks almost like that um, shell structure that you mm-hmm. see. Like, But it's alive mm-hmm. and functioning but having a really hard time surviving. Yeah. Yeah. So this algae kind of coating it on the outside is going to help it hopefully Okay. live a little bit longer. They said anywhere down like uh, Panama, Costa Rica, Mexico, and Colombia. Um, that's where they were more worried about it. So this should hopefully keep the coral alive at least through the 2060s. So All right. as long as the water doesn't get too much warmer. Yeah. All right. Well, some good and bad news mix <laughs> there. Um yeah, I know there's a lot of restoration efforts, mm-hmm. you know, in coral reefs and reestablishing them. It doesn't help as the water keeps warming, though. Mm-hmm. But All right, well, I found a study out of Emory University, and uh, they actually found where there was some extracts from two wild plants that inhibit COVID-19 virus. Hmm. Uh, so I thought this one was kind of pertinent to yeah. modern-day age, right? So... Um, the extracts were from the flowers of tall goldenrod. Okay. Um, going to Keystone. Yep. We both know about tall goldenrod. Yep. Saldego altissima. Um, so it can be found locally, mm-hmm. uh, right in our backyards, most likely. And uh, the other extract was from a rhizome of the eagle fern, which I wasn't so familiar with. Uh, I'm not going to attempt that name. <laughs> but... Uh, they found that each blocked SARS-CoV-2 from entering human cells. Wow. Um, and the active compounds are only present in minuscule quantities in the plants. Okay. Um, but they did identify them, which is awesome. It's also a good good point to stop and say, hey, um, there's also the chance that they're potentially dangerous, these plants are. So mm-hmm. don't try this at home, more <laughs> or less. Um, they're still in the experimental phase. Um, and working on that. So it's also safe to note that the eagle fern is known to be toxic. So okay. I'm not really sure if we have that around here. I should have looked. Never but, heard um, of it. Yeah, neither have I. Like I said, it's, it's really early in the process, but um, the researchers, they're working to identify and isolate and scale up the molecules. The senior author of the study is an ethnobotanist, I don't know if you're familiar with that term or not, but yeah, so they study how traditional people have used plants for medicine, you know, throughout the years, Native Americans, Mm -hmm. even previously, 
And that, you know, just by studying what they have done in the past might lead to candidates for new modern day drugs. So uh, it's a, a really cool sector of mm-hmm. botany. Um, I think I covered that in college a little bit and mm-hmm. was kind of interested by that. I have quite a few books on mm-hmm. it now. So, um, so her lab actually curates the Quave Natural Product Library, they call it, uh, which contains thousands of botanical and fungal natural products extracted from these plants and they actually collect them at sites around the world the actual article said that for this particular study uh, the researchers actually went out and collected these species themselves so uh, it started from the ground and worked its way up so all that said um, one final thing to note you know this isn't necessarily new um, we've been studying nature for a long time, and uh, you're probably familiar with a, a couple of different species of both plants and fungi um, that we've actually, re- you know, retrieved different portions of and use for modern medicine. Mm-hmm. So um, your aspirin mm-hmm. is from willow, and then penicillin is another one. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a fungi. Mm-hmm. So um, like I said, nothing new per se, but... They've identified these two species, especially that could potentially aid in, you know, curbing COVID-19. That'd be awesome. Yeah. All right. So my last one here is a second chance to protect wetlands. Okay. Yeah. So a study found that the reported loss of wetlands around the globe since 1700 might have actually been overestimated. Oh. Tell me more. (laughs) So it's now a little history on like the insight of all of this. It's now understood that vital sources of like water purification, everything like that comes from wetlands. We've known that, but they are, they have also been like historically seen as unproductive areas in our ecosystem. So a lot of people used to drain them to use them for um, fuel or fertilizer, that kind of thing. So there was a lot of studies shown um, before thinking that we drained and lost a lot of wetlands globally um so there was a team first of its kind in historical reconstruction they went out and they combed through thousands of records of wetland drainage and land use changes in over 154 countries and they mapped the distribution of the drained and converted wetlands and compared it to present day wetlands kind of see how it compared Mm -hmm. versus what it looked like in 1700 Uh, they found that the area of wetland ecosystems has declined between 21 to 35 percent since 1700 due to human intervention. Um, that's a lot less than what they thought. They originally thought it was 50 to 87 percent that we lost, so significantly okay. less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's pretty good. Yeah, that's good. We haven't lost as much as we thought. So this is they kind of wanted to just bring this to light so they can kind of keep trying to figure out maybe even less have been lost and just giving us an idea that we. We still have a lot more out there, so we need to kind of conserve. Yeah, conserve and protect. As, yep. So they are vital. They do keep. They help regulate greenhouse gases. They're. They can keep other natural elements and everything. So they're. They're good to have around. So don't go out and drain your wetlands. <laughs> yeah, don't fill them in. <laughs> that don't either. drain them. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we just talked about this, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, really, a, a vital sponge, more mm-hmm. or less. When it comes to stormwater, it soaks up that extra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
protect your wetlands. Yep. That's that's the uh, moral of the story there. <laughs> so, um, we're going to forgo a joke this week, right? Yep. Um, we're going to tie it back into wetlands, though. We're going to ask you a trivia question. Yeah. And uh, we'll present the answer to that trivia question next week. Yep. So, the trivia question is, uh, what is the only continent that does not have wetlands? Look it up. Mm-hmm. Find out for yourself, or you could tune in next week, and we'll answer that question for you. But again, what is the only continent that does not have wetlands? Mm-hmm. So, tune in next week. We'll give you the answer. <laughs> uh, we do have a couple of events for you. Yep. All right, you want to take it out? Yep. So, next Saturday, March 4th, from 1 to 4 p.m., you can stop over to Salt Springs State Park for a make-your-own-maple-syrup-in-your-own-kitchen class. All right. So, the little description they have here for it is, did you know that locally available supplies that cost less than $50 and tools that you probably already have in your kitchen, you can easily make your own year's supply of maple syrup? So, join them next week to identify sugar maple trees. You'll be taught how to do that and how to tap them to get some sap out. And then you'll be shown how to cook it down and make your own maple syrup. Uh, There will be samples of each phase of the process available at the class. And they also said to bring your winter gear because you will be out in the woods tapping trees. So do that. Uh, The fee is $5 and members and kids get in for free. All right. It's definitely a good time. Mm -hmm. I just did it this past weekend. I try to do it every year and made some candy to bring in. Yeah, that was good. had had some of that. So got about three quarters of a gallon and... uh, yeah, I encourage you to go out, and if you don't know how to do it, great chance to learn how. Mm-hmm. So, um, I also have an event, and it's also at Salt Spring State Park. Okay. So, it's this Sunday, February 26th at 1 p.m., and they're going to call this Animal Tracking, Oh, the Many Feet We Meet. So, uh, they mentioned that we probably have crossed paths with a skunk or a fox, perhaps, Um or maybe not, mm-hmm. but uh, if not, there's a good chance that they left the tracks behind. And um, going out to this event, you can find out how to identify them by the tracks. Um, they're hoping for some snow. I'm not sure whether that'll work out or not. Uh, we'll have to see. But um, uh, again, dress for the weather. Mm-hmm. And if there's not snow, the program might be canceled. Check Facebook page for updates. Okay. Um, the program fee for that is $5 a person for non-members and Friends of Salt Spring State Park members and children are free. So again, that's Sunday, February 26th at 1 p.m. All right. I guess that does it for today's show. If you have any questions related to our shows, you can contact the Conservation District by calling 570-782-2105. If you missed a portion of today's show, you can go to our website, www.suscondistrict.org, and find our Conservation Corner page with past episodes, links to information about past episodes, and a contact form where you can reach out and ask questions about the show. You've been listening to Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Devin Saylor. And I'm Don Hibbert saying, enjoy the outdoors.